0: Whenever I was a deacon, I was invited to go and minister to the midshipmen at the Naval Academy to work with uh, the chaplains there. Myself being a chaplain candidate, a future Navy chaplain, they wanted to give me a little bit of experience working with future officers. In the spring semester, just a few months ago, I got asked by the the male midshipmen if I could lead a little retreat for them. It's kind of. You know, kind of get, get jump-started in the spring semester, get rejuvenated. And I said, absolutely. This will be awesome. So I excitedly wrote a retreat. The theme was Rise Up, Men of God. It was intense. It was awesome. It was manly. It was, oh, man, I had a blast. So much fun. So we did the retreat. Everybody loved it. Hoorah. But shortly after that, my worst nightmare came true. The female midshipman asked me for a retreat. <laughs> I was terrified. What do I know about being a female midshipman? I, was, I didn't know what to do. So what I decided to do, ultimately, was kind of revamp the program, not do the theme, Rise Up, Men of God, but rather do something a little bit more feminine. And instead, I talked about Mary. And after we were done with the retreat, we did a kind of sharing of graces. We all sat in a circle and we discussed what you got out of the retreat. And one of the things I was so surprised by was how much the female midshipmen before the retreat didn't like Mary. How they saw Mary as unrelatable, unimitatable, and ultimately irrelevant because she didn't do anything. Because Mary didn't do anything. And they had a point. I mean, think about it. Mary was immaculately conceived, chosen specifically by God to avoid that plague that affects us all known as original sin. She became a mother by a pure and gracious gift from God. And she was assumed into heaven after having not founded a church, not preached a sermon, nor worked a sacrament. In a sense, she did nothing. She didn't have a job. She didn't have a career. She had no worldly accomplishments and no churches to show for what she did. And yet, and yet, the church values her and holds her as the highest creature ever to walk the face of the earth. Now, how could that be? How could it be that a woman who just received this unbelievable gift end up being the most highly valued person in the church? But not only that, not only within the church, but even Time magazine, not exactly a magazine noted for its wonderful alliance to religion, but even Time magazine had her on the front cover saying that she was the most influential woman in the world. How could this be if 2,000 years ago this 14-year-old peasant all just simply said yes to God? How can this be if ultimately Mary did nothing. And I got to say, it's true. It's absolutely true. Mary didn't do a dang thing. Not a single thing. But not in the sense that she didn't found churches. Not in the sense that she didn't have a career. Not in the sense that she didn't have any worldly accomplishments. Not in the sense that she didn't preach sermons or that she didn't work sacraments. That's not the sense that I'm talking about. My friends, Mary did nothing insofar as Mary never ever, ever sinned. Mary never sinned. And that's the beauty of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because she knew very well, better than any one of us here, that everything good on the face of the earth, whether it's our actions, whether it's creation, whether it's a sacrament, everything good is attributable to God and God alone. That's it. To God and God alone, which means that everything bad is due to us. No excuses. It's our fault if we do something wrong. It's our sin. And if you find an excuse, you have no guilt. In the case of Mary, in the case of Mary, she is the only person on the planet to have ever been able to say, to ever been able to, be able to point to herself and say that she has done nothing She is ultimately not responsible for anything, because she has never, ever sinned. And that, my friends, is beautiful. It's something that Eve could not do. Eve, just like Mary, was immaculately conceived. And yet, there was a desire, I suppose, within Eve to be separated from God, to prove herself to go on her own, to go beyond God and say, you know what, I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to be my own God, the root of all sin, pride. And because of that, she did nothing. She did nothing, and she fell into sin. And she actually, in a sense, while doing nothing, because sin ultimately is nothing, she was responsible for something. The fall of mankind along with Adam. My friends, whenever Christ looked at his apostles and he said, without me, you can do nothing, the only person ever to fulfill that, the only person ever to believe that was Mary. And that's it. There's not an ounce of pride in Mary, which is why she is God's one and only masterpiece. Every artist should and does have a right to To take one piece of art, one work, like Leonardo's, Da Vinci's, Mona Lisa, or Michelangelo's, excuse me, Michelangelo's David. Every artist has a right to at least take one work and make it his masterpiece. And every time we look at the face of God, we are looking, every time we're looking at the face of Mary, we are looking at God's masterpiece. So how can we learn from her? What can she teach us? What can this masterpiece reveal to us? This masterpiece who was born under such unique circumstances, conceived immaculately, without original sin something that you and I can't say. Given the gift of being able to be the mother of God and being assumed into heaven. And here's how she can teach us. She can teach you and she can teach me just how to be a vessel. A vessel is just a container that recognizes that its sole existence is for the liquid that it contains. The sole existence, and that's exactly what Mary recognized, was that her whole existence was for Christ within her. And that shows us so much. That shows us that if we really want to be like Mary, if we really want to be what God asks us to be and be nothing... And pursue him without sin. We have to have a heart like Mary's heart. And that heart can be summarized in one word. Contemplative. All we have to do is be contemplative. Now contemplative, contemplatives, contemplation has become a bit of a bad word. If you go up to your parents, I'm not saying maybe not your parents or whatever, but what I'm saying is for so many people, if you were to go and say, hey, I'm thinking about going and becoming a hermit, they would look at you funny. Or if you were going to say, hey, I'm thinking about going and becoming a cloistered nun, they would look at you funny. If you would say, oh, you know, I think I'm going to be a monk in the, the, the Alps of France and never ever talk to anybody for the rest of my life, they would look at you funny. Because within our culture, within our society, we think of contemplation as something that only crazy people do. Because why would we want to waste our lives within the confines of a church? Why would we want to waste our lives within the confines of a monastery? And yet, in a sense, Mary was ready to do that. Mary promised virginity to God, which meant her whole life, everything about her, every ounce of her existence was to be dedicated to God. What Mary shows us is that if we really want to be united to God, we have to be contemplatives first. It doesn't necessarily mean that we need to go to a monastery, although that is a beautiful and noble cause. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be a hermit, although that is a beautiful cause. That is the highest of vocations. But what it does mean is that we have to put prayer first if we really want to have a heart like Mary, which is hard for us if we're really honest. How many times do we as Americans wake up in the morning, look at our to-do list and say, I don't really have time for prayer. There's no way I can fit in a rosary. There's no way I can go to mass. There's no way I can pray the liturgy of the hours. There's just no way I've got too much other stuff going on. My friends, that's something that Mary never ever said. For Mary, the sole purpose of her existence, because she knew the only good that because she knew the source of all goodness was Jesus Christ, was God. And that's why Mary is the fulfillment of the Christian life. Because whenever you and I look at Mary, you look at the one human being that chose to put God first. Not just once, not just twice, but for every single day throughout her life. Which is why we can always look to Mary and cry out, Mary, be a mother to us now. My friends, on the desk of God, for every single one of us, there are two statues. There's a statue of who God wants us to be and a statue of where we are. The work that God has in progress with us. And we can always stop that work. We can always veto it. But Mary never ever chose to veto that work. Mary never ever chose to veto the grace of God which sought to mold her into into his daughter. Which is why on the desk of God, there's only one statue of Mary. The creation that God always wanted her to be. And that's why you and I can confidently, boldly, proudly, and from the depths of our heart, cry out to Mary and ask her, Mary, Mary, be a mother to me now.